Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Tukey's Take Podcast. I am a married man joined alongside one sin for the win as we get our, uh, our, our you know, our updated thoughts here on everything in the hockey world. Because, of course, there was a lot. Oh, there was so much said over mm-hmm. the past few days. And we're going to try to talk about all of it today if we can. How are you, though, first and foremost? I'm doing pretty good. I'm not married. Uh, <laughs> not yet. Not yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how this this one goes. Um, yeah. No. I'm doing. I'm doing. Doing pretty good. Got a new franchise mode. I just started um, with the Oilers, which has been fun and mm. funny at the same time. My my number one goal in the first year was to try to get McDavid and Drysaddle's production to real levels. I figured out a pretty good thing uh, to make them to to get to get them pretty close. It's 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 been working. So hopefully some people check that out on my YouTube's channel. But yeah, it's basically just pl- <laughs> double shifting them on the power play, double shifting <laughs> McDavid on four on four and three on three. <laughs> and, and that's the only and, yeah, and it still doesn't get them to like one fifty, but mm. better pace, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I um, God, it, it's only been a few days since I've done anything streaming or YouTube wise, and now I'm just it's it's such a foreign concept to me at this stage. <laughs> Especially playing NHL 24 is an incredibly <laughs> foreign concept. Um, I did a lot of trying to catch up on the social media side of things today, uh, just because obviously, like I have barely had time to look at my phone, um, and I saw too like a lot of the. You know, the J Fresh cards have been out now for rookies and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, this was this was prime roster editing season. And now it's just like, mm-mm. I, not that I'd have time right now to do it anyway. Yeah. But it, the, the frustration level for me and seeing that and just being like, mm, yes, this this is what's supposed to be happening. But that yeah. game's still in pretty rough Ty Aginla is actually uh, in a good spot in the draft now. I noticed yeah. that with this new one with the new roster. Yeah, so that isn't that isn't that funny how um, certain game changers complain about that and then it gets changed. Mm. I'm sure it's just coincidental. It's just a coincidence. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, yeah, that's right. Fuck it. Flex on him. I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> with that though, with that is there is there anything else? I don't even know. My brain. This this might be the one show, especially where I'm just like I don't even, I don't even know what's going on. Like it has been. A busy few days, to say the least. We started recording this show about 15 minutes late, because, or if not longer, because I took a nap and overslept. It's been a time. It's been a time. And it's going to be our only show of the week, which means everything's going to happen. In the next mm. few days, when I'm gone on this little mini honeymoon, we're going to come back. The NHL would have been sold to a, a large oil company. The um, Saudis are going to take over. <laughs> you know, you joke, but it could happen. Oh, could. man. I, I'm, I'm here for live hockey. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I'm here for live Tyler. That's <laughs> the one live Tyler reference on a hockey podcast in 2023. Yeah. Hey, man. Arwen's got it. Ah, oh, goodness. Liv Tyler, star of the, the the Strangers. Saw that movie in theaters. What else? What Liv Tyler. What else was she? Tom you know, Hanks. I, Tom Hanks. Run a guy, Tom Hanks. 
<laughs> I cannot be trusted to keep the show on track today. Apparently it's just not going to happen. Well, this is a good opportunity to let you guys know that this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, your one-stop shop for all your male grooming needs, whether it's north of the border or south of the border. Manscaped has you covered. A great line of new products come out, including the, I want to say, Lawnmower 5.0. And I haven't gotten my hands on it quite yet, but I'm still using one of the old models. It works great, but... uh, yeah, uh, could use a little bit more of the light, and that new lawnmower has a bit more of that light. So go check that out, and don't forget to use code Tugi at checkout for 20% off your order, as well as free shipping. You can't go wrong with free shipping. Thank God this isn't a solo show. But yes, indeed, our, our fine friends at Manscaped.com. We love them, and uh, had me look at my best on a wedding day. Imagine that. With that, we do have a couple of viewer questions here to kick things off, especially to see if it can get me back into the mindset of, of talking about hockey. Um, and we do have two questions here that are ho- that are hockey related. It's going to be a mostly hockey uh, <laughs> of the show. Um, the first one is this, and that we talk about these viewer questions before we uh, start recording the show, just because it's like, all right, you know, which ones make sense? And this was one that came up. If you had one NHL draft bust on your team, who would it be? Now, the term uh, draft bust is is tough because you have a lot of people where it's like, okay, what's the limit on the term bust? You know, are we just talking about first overall picks? I don't think that's fair. Uh, Top three, top five, top ten. Some people say any first rounder is eligible um, for that distinction. But what came to to mind for me, and it's not necessarily um, that he is a draft bust, but there's been a lot of talk on the show over the years of like Alexi Lafreniere. And while he's done pretty well for the Rangers this year, there was that conversation of like, okay, how would he look had he been on a different team? Which I felt like could kind of lead us towards that like, okay, you know, that conversation about draft busts, if they had been on a different team surrounded by different people, would it have worked out a little bit better? And that's kind of a question there, too, in regards to the whole draft bust conversation. I mean, there are a lot of people I've seen over the last couple of weeks talking about Slavkovsky and how big of a mistake did Montreal potentially make there taking him first overall. I think their mistake is in how they chose to try to develop him. That's that's a really good one, similar to the one I was going to choose. I was going to go with uh, Capo Caco, and mm. it was close between him and uh, Jesse Pugliarvi. Uh, but I'm going to go with uh, Capo Caco because, again, there's another case <clears throat> of a team trying to bring someone along way too quickly, especially someone from that European thing. We see it all the time. Europeans takes a bit longer for them to adjust to the NHL game, and New York essentially just threw him in there immediately i don't think he went back to europe at all he might have like in that first year but i remember him after he was drafted being in the city and i'm pretty sure he was just on that team from the get-go and and if i'm somehow mistaken then i'll do the same thing now with slavkovsky and the fact that montreal drafted him first overall they they just they they hyped the kid up so much. They had him like going into the dre- dressing room with like a king's escort, showing him around, like marketing him as the savior of the franchise, essentially. And um, it was 
it was still kind of a reach of a pick. Like it's not too much of a difference, you know, in some draft years, you could argue that one, like one through three to, or even to five, like, yeah, it could kind of go either way. But at the same time, when you have draft class like that with like not a, a guaranteed number one, then I don't think you should treat that number one draft pick as like this huge savior. And I, I think they should have put him back to Europe at least for a year or and then after a year, bring him to the AHL and have him there. But it just seems like Montreal continues to try to quick fix things. And they've been mm. doing this for a while. You think back to when they first started like under Bergevin, and they like were look their shit. Okay, we got to try to rebuild. Wait, we made the Cup final weirdly in a COVID craziness, and then it went out the window. Then they sucked again, and then uh, it's just they keep going back and forth. And I think that's a really big mistake that some teams make with European prospects is that they try to bring them along too quickly, expect them to have this immediate impact. And when they don't have an immediate impact, they get put in kind of losing situations. Capo Caco has been in the bottom six pretty much his entire existence of the New York Rangers. And that's a hard, hard way for someone to find success who's supposed to be a scorer for your team. Hmm. And yeah, so I I really think, you know, someone like Capo Caco or uh, even Pugliarvi or Slavkovsky would be the one. In the sake of Pugliarvi, I think he... Unfortunately, Edmonton media did not like that guy, like for a variety of reasons. Yes, he, you know, struggled at times and but I think the damage was done after a while. And even putting him with with McDavid would have been hard to kind of, you know, fix what was going on there because damn, dude, it didn't like Edmonton media hated that he had a personality like straight up hated it. Talking about moose and shit in interviews and. He's funny as shit, man, obviously. And unfortunately, yeah, it's just sad to see how he went because, man, he was like he and Line were considered nearly interchangeable at the draft, Hmm. which is crazy. You know, I'm looking back through some of these more recent drafts and obviously, you know, you got to give like a three to five year buffer because even Quentin Byfield heading into the season, people are like, oh, bust is a second overall pick. Uh, And now Quentin Byfield. Um, 10 points in 11 games so far this year with the LA Kings in his age 21 season. Mm-hmm. Like you got to give some of these guys time. And that's definitely yeah. been a conversation about first overall pick and how the McDavid's of the world, the Connor Bedard's of the world. It's like, they are the exception to the rule. You're not going to have every first overall pick automatically step yeah. into a lineup and Look be amazing. Yeah, like Jack I mean, Hughes, he's now perfect. a fucking beast, but he people were worried after those first two years. And it's like, you know, 100%. relax, man. He's 18, 19. <laughs> he's figuring mm-hmm. not only is he figuring out the, the NHL game, but he's figuring out life. I, <laughs> I think that's something that goes so that we just don't even think about. These are children. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they are children. They've just been given hundreds of thousands of dollars. And like that's that's crazy enough but then like dude they gotta fucking live by themselves or with a roommate and they have so they have more freedom than they ever had they have more money than they've ever had and they have to figure out how to be a professional athlete while learning how to adult there's so much in their lives that they've been thrown into and yeah people forget about that that these are humans 
I will say, too, in regards to Jack Hughes, just because we don't have too much to add, but boy, howdy, did the uh, podcaster's curse come alive and well over the last few days. He's out yeah, week to week yeah. now after yeah. his incredible start to the season. That's, un- that's so unfortunate, oh. man. I, re- I really wanted him to to win, like, an Art Ross or something like that, like, just go ham. Mm. But not likely now with him being out and McDavid coming back. And eh, the others have their own struggles, which we'll get to. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. Um, I will say, too, in regards to this, um, you know, the question, especially, too, because it's like, OK, one NHL draft bust on your team. Who would it be? You start thinking of more recent times and then it gets into the conversation of what defines a draft bust, because I think a lot of people look back to 2018 and Jesperi Kokaniemi at third overall. And they'll be like, oh, what a bust. But it's like that guy's at least a, a regular NHL player. He's maybe not what you thought you'd yeah. get for a third overall pick. So how does he compare to Detroit well, took I, someone in this draft we're gonna talk about in a little bit too? <laughs> yeah, what 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 I would like to say about the Kokanima thing, I would never ever consider him a bust considering how far Montreal reached for him. Mm, he was he, he shouldn't have gone third overall. Like he really should not have gone through overall. Montreal reached because they needed a center. Once again, Montreal doing this thing of like, we're going to make this guy something that he's not because we drafted him here. Um, and then, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's doing pretty good. Uh, he actually went when they, when they played the sharks, uh, he attempted a Michigan. <laughs> so he's feeling confident, man. Point per game uh, player for the hurricanes right now. Um, yep. I had to look it up too. Uh, because I was intrigued, and I'm like, Kako Ka- hey, has two points in 11 games, man. I just looked that up. Oh, yeah. For Kokaniemi, I wanted to look it up because I'm like, okay, yeah, where was he ranked? And this information comes from Elite Prospects. Um, FC Hockey, a notable like draft-focused outlet, had him 13th. McKean's Hockey had him 13th. He was ranked 5th by TSN slash Bob McKenzie and was 6th, uh, according to NHL Central Scouting. For that it's particular a, draft. So it's a reach. Yeah. Even, even if you average that down, he's late top 10. Yeah. So, so. top five, top 10 pick going third overall. That's that is how it went. Um, God, though, in terms of like answering this question about a draft bust, because then you get even you talk about yes, you pull your RV a lot. Yeah. And it's well, again, of course, this is how we're going to view this, right? Is all these parameters that need to be set. Um, but I guess he pulled Yarvi, Oli Levy back to back in that 2016 draft. They were both heavily affected by injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how how fair is it to uh, rate them on a on a certain scale? And yeah, uh, it's hard when injuries come into it. I'm more looking at if they were played different because you can't really control injuries. Maybe they get them anyway. Like I, I'm not gonna get into the oh if they were on a different team would they be an injured? That's a little too right. out there in terms of hypotheticals, I think, because you can do the same thing with Nolan Patrick. and Yeah, right. Yeah. And then you get into that conversation about guys like Griffin Reinhardt. And it's like, was he was he actually that bad or was it the system that he went to primarily with the New York Islanders where it just didn't work out? Um, I'm I'm intrigued and I think that's what I would do. I don't have an exact answer for this, unfortunately. But I would look at those guys that had a, a top five, you know, draft position that just did not work out at all and say, well, where's the harm in, you know, a, a team like the Bruins or the Sharks being like this guy? I mean, shit, Griffin Reinhardt might be able to make the Sharks right now. He's still playing. 
I mean, he's not. He retired. Okay. <laughs> hey, doesn't matter if you're retired. Lace him up, motherfucker. We have Jacob McDonald playing wing for us. Yo, he got he got multiple shifts on the first line. <laughs> but then he got a power play goal. He's got a cannon of a shot, though. Holy. 81 slap shot power at NHL 24, probably. So Yeah. No, nah, it's it's probably it's probably like 80, 87, but he's only got 60 accuracy because EA loves to do that. There you go. The other question is kind of similar. Who's the first hockey player that comes to mind who isn't necessarily the best in terms of quantifiable stats, but you feel deserves to be mentioned as much as possible? Who is your Hmm. favorite Ryan Reeves who actually has an impact unlike Ryan Reeves? Yeah, there you go. Hmm. This is a tough one. Because there's been a lot throughout the history, and I'm I'm mostly mm-hmm. just thinking of my own team. But and do you have something Same. for this? So yeah, that, that's immediately where my mind went. Is like, okay, who were like those role, those grit players? And it's like immediately my mind went back to like the 2011 Bruins, where it was they do not win that Stanley Cup without the likes of Gregory Campbell, Dan Pae, Sean Thornton chipping away in that bottom six. Yeah. Um, Obviously, though, if it's a question of more active players, like that is the type of guy I think that you would look for. Maybe somebody who isn't going um, to put up 30 points in a season, but fits that role of, you know, can contribute in those positive situations. Good penalty killer often comes to mind as well, Um, because those are the type of guys that you have on Every single roster. I mean, even the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, winning the Stanley Cup last season, you have that bottom six where it's like it's not the biggest names in the world, but Mike Amadio was a pretty big part of that team winning a cup, for example. So, uh, you know, you definitely try to think of guys like that. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, we got to think of 32 teams and players that that fit that description. And that's where it gets to be a little bit tough. Um so then I'd, I'd almost tend or trend towards the idea of who did I really like in franchise modes? Yeah, right. I can be like, I want him on my team. Nick Hague. That's who I want on the Bruins. <laughs> so it's, it's another yeah. pretty tough question. It's really tough, man. Um, Escaped. Yeah, I'm trying to even think back to like. When the car- when the sharks were competitive, <laughs> mm. yeah, um, I, I know one that always comes to mind for me is Mark Smith. Um, mm-hmm. And his lovely my, hair. Yeah, he's one of my favorite sharks of all time. Uh, he's a dude. He was like five foot ten, would fight anybody, and he was part of that sharks five on three penalty kill where two of the players broke their sticks. And they still killed the penalty in the, I think it was in the playoffs too. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, him, Mike Ricci's another one that comes to mind for me. And you know, uh, I'm, look- I'm looking at that sharks roster that went to the Stanley cup final. And 
you know, he's had to retire somewhat recently due to injuries, but it's like they don't make it there without the Jonas Donskoys Mm-mm. of the world, nope. the Melker Carlsons of the world necessarily either. He played a pretty big part of that team. He did. He he kind of fell out of the graces of a lot of Sharks fans because of the contract he got at the end. He was That's over why. two mil and you can't have a Melker <laughs> yeah. Carlson on over two mil. But he was so fucking good before he was on that contract because he played right. fourth line. You could play him up in the lineup. He would he would sometimes get the job done, and man, he was such a good penalty killer. Mm. But yeah, he was not worth uh, the two. I want to say it was almost two and a half that he was making. It was it was over two. The David Camp of his time. Yeah, exactly. I was just gonna say that he was legitimately <laughs> the David Camp, and the same fucking problem arose. He got the contract. We tried to use him more as a third liner. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have enough offensive upside. Yet somehow GMs mm. don't learn, but podcasters do. Oh, crazy. Mm. Funny how that works. Um, with that, we have a lot to get to in terms of the bigger discussions. Was there one right off the top that you wanted to tackle here? Because we didn't necessarily lock down like, all right, what order do we want to go in? But uh, there's, there's the good, there's the bad, there's the ugly. Yeah, yeah we and just talked this- about... Oh, sorry. The sharks. Yeah, then there's the sharks. Uh, we just talked about camp, so I'd say we could start with the Leafs here, because uh, there is a lot to talk about in regards to them throughout the entire week. Yeah, and uh, yeah, about responses. Uh, so where do you want to start? We we can we can start with the Leafs, who um, you know, we're, we're right back today. The the news was that they're finally calling up Nick Robertson, which is great. Um. So, but like, then I they sent wait. down Holmberg. <laughs> they did. They did. So you know, <sighs> they just they, they just got to work on the right combinations and they'll be fine. Jesus. Uh, so the biggest thing for the Leafs really stems from their game against the Bruins, a game that I did not get to see because of just how damn busy I happened to be. Not a real fan. Not a real fan at all. <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Pasta scored. I do. (laughs) I don't think that would have gone over well, you know? Uh, So the big incident from that game involved, of course, Brad Marchand. um, And what I will label at the moment, an incident with Leafs defender, Timothy Liljegren. Said incident resulted in Liljegren suffering an injury where he will, quote, miss significant time was the word after the game. I didn't see if there was an update on just how much time he's going to miss. There was the immediate conversation in regards to the play itself. Is it a penalty? Was it a slew foot? Was it a hockey incident, essentially? We'll look at Marshan's stick between the guy's legs. But Leogren's the one who initiated the contact by leaning back into Marshan to posture up and... I don't, and uh, this, you know, I, there might be someone who's like, ah, it's a cop uh, defending the Bruins by not having a stance on the, the matter, but I really, I really could view the hit either way or the incident either way. I could view it as a hockey play. I could view it as a dirty play, and I don't blame people for not giving Brad Marchand the benefit of the doubt. At the end of the day, that's his own fault that he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt in a situation like this. I just, I, I think for me, a play like that, 
because of the inconsistency of the league, that is still a play that you look at it. Yeah, it could be viewed this way or it could be viewed this way. Instead of just universally like, well, it meets this set of factors. It's a clean play. It's a dirty play. Here's why. And we consistently view it that way. That doesn't exist. So I've seen a lot of viewpoints where I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I agree with them. Yeah, it's a dirty play. And then I'll see the counter. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I kind of agree with their points, too, about why it's not. I, I don't have a solid take on it. I have a take on the mm-hmm. aftermath, but the hit itself, yeah. the incident itself, I don't oh. necessarily have a take on. I do. Um, okay. Yeah, Lillian, uh, he initiated contact. Um, the slew foot argument doesn't make sense for me. I don't know why that was even brought up because the first thing I saw when I looked at that play, I'm like, oh, it's a can opener. Mm. And uh, maybe, yeah, like you said, Marshan's not getting the benefit of the doubt. I think it was really, really bad play uh, by Marshan. Uh, that being said, what are the Leafs going to fucking do about it? <laughs> what are you guys going <laughs> to fucking do about it? You got a 5'10 guy. And uh, I don't think it was intent to injure, but uh, I, I don't put it past him to fucking do a little thing with his stick to get the advantage in a play. Mm-hmm. He's been doing it his whole career. He's gotten slightly better. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's not as fucking outright dirty as he used to be. I'll give he him that. He the spots really well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think it was a very, very borderline at best play uh, by Marchand. And I, I like him as a player. I hate that. Don't like to play against him. Um, but yeah, the main thing is if you're the Leafs, where's your, what would they call it in the off season snot and then yeah. piss, piss and vinegar. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're a different team now. Not only you brought in the, those, those guys, you're now a different team because of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not the case. Uh-uh. It's not. Um, I did watch the Steve Dangle LFR. I watched basically every single one, um, but I did watch this one as soon as I possibly could, given what I missed from the game, um, which, by the way, that was that was that's the one I can't imagine another one topping this one. At least that's non playoff. That was that was a good one from Steve. The one um, after was pretty good, too, when they lost again. Oh, see, I haven't seen that. one. What yet, a response. So gonna, oh, yeah. I'm gonna have to watch that one. Um from okay so you had so many different factors to the lack of pushback you had Tyler Bertuzzi on the bench while Marshan's drawing with Ryan Reeves and Tyler Bertuzzi's laughing and a lot of people were pissed Steve especially labeled it as like oh oh yeah you're still practically on the Bruins Tyler isn't that funny um to the point where Bertuzzi but yeah, continue to the point where he was quoted afterwards as saying people can perceive that incident of me laughing. However, I want, however they want. I'm not going to explain myself, which likely made the situation worse in a lot of fans minds of like, oh, yeah, cool. No, you're not even going to defend that. That's great. But you had Sheldon Keefe, the head coach of the Leafs after the game, saying, quote, I hated everything about it referring to the lack of response in the aftermath of Lillard's injury, says some may not have noticed what happened in the moment, but players slash coaches discussed it um, the day after. And, you know, like, the craziest thing to me in all this was that they had uh, they had Reeves on, on camera. They have that guy on camera so fucking much 
for the amount mm-hmm. of time he plays. It's absolutely insane. Um, and he was like, oh, we addressed it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm like, why, why? Like, first of all, why are you the fucking spokesperson? And mm-hmm. second of all, fucking do something. You're you're the guy. You're being paid one point three million for three years. Lol. To to be a to be not only someone who responds, but to be a deterrent. And you are neither of those things right now. You played mm-hmm. two games in the beginning where you actually kind of acted like it. But even then, he's he's a fucking fraud. Ryan Reeves is a fraud. He's not very tough. He's not that good of a fighter. He's just bigger and stronger. He wrestles fuckers to the ice. He's a fraud. I laughed today when I looked at the end, end of the year stats and Ryan Reeves had 19 fights. And I'm like, bro, he has 22 in the last five years. Mm. Not a fighter. He doesn't do much. He he comes there. He he acts tough. He he says shit. He doesn't do it. He doesn't he doesn't talk the talk or walk the walk after he 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 shows it for a couple of games. He 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 does this thing. He does he does this thing, and then he just seemingly rides that wave for the rest of the season. And another team takes a chance on him. Remember when Pittsburgh traded a fucking first for him, mm-hmm. and he was outdoor. I want to say even less than a year later, if not just a year later. Yeah, he's a fucking fraud, man. You know, I think at a certain time there was that thought. Yeah, I'd say even heading into the season. That he doesn't fight a lot because people don't fight him because they know the consequences happen to be you're going to get your face punched in. So I'm not even going to bother. They don't respect him. (laughs) At the same time, you could view it that way. And I think more people do now as to where, why would I fight you? That's a good trade off for your team. Mm-hmm. There was the stat line. I don't know if this is outdated after their last game, but the Leafs have been outscored seven to nothing when Ryan Reeves is on the ice this season. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the quotes that, to me, has stripped away any remaining, um, and the the words escaping me at the moment, but really any remaining mystique surrounding Ryan Reeves. And, oh, how you don't want to fuck with that guy. This comes from Mark Masters. Ryan Reeves' message to Brad Marchand after Timothy Ligren injury. Quote, first of all, get away from the bench. <laughs> Second of all, I guess he was lucky I wasn't out on the ice with them. Yeah, unfortunately, they had last chance, so I didn't get any shifts against him. Bullshit. He had three shifts uh, with 63 on the ice after that incident. Hmm. This was tracked. This is this is tracked. He literally did the oh yeah, you're lucky I'm not there thing. Yeah. Like <sighs> go out there and grab Frederick. He'll go. Right. Like that's that's supposed to be the thing for enforcers, right? Like yeah. okay, you fuck with Wayne Gretzky, you have to deal with Marty McSorley. You know, Wayne's yeah. not gonna be the one to fight you. So even if you can't get your hands on Brad, isn't it supposed to be as a tough guy? that you go and fight their tough guy and then beat the shit out of their tough guy so that Brad Marshan has to go, oh, oh, shit, sorry, Trent, that you got your face punched in because of my bullshit. Uh, yeah. Won't do it again. Where was that? That doesn't even, that didn't exist. Yeah. But that Reeves is there for. And here's the last, here's what I love about the last holdouts of Leaf fans who are trying to justify Ryan Reeves' presence on that team. Um, 
well, he shouldn't. He sh- I'm, I'm just like, go out there, get a fucking instigator and, and beat someone's face and get kicked out of the game. Who the fuck cares? And they're like, well, you don't want to do that because it's, you know, at that point, you can still come back and win it at the game. Motherfucker, it's a long season. Mm-hmm. I, for one, in the beginning of a season, would want to just throw away a game if it meant that you make sure no one fucks with you. That right. is the sole purpose for Reeves being on that team. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a division rival. I don't care if it's someone you think you'll be battling for a playoff spot with. Throw a, throw away a game to send a message. Why the hell not? And even if you do, even if Reeves get gets kicked out and like it's not a big loss, kill kill a fucking penalty. Who cares? What happened to the power kill of Toronto? Yeah, right. Um, but no, Sin. He's he's going to be Reeves. Is he's important? He's in t- he's an integral part to any comeback efforts in a game. He can't Jesus. get kicked out. He's he's too valuable playing what seven minutes a night. Yeah, Something like that. I, I, um, I a lot of people are like dunking on Leafs fans, like oh overreaction. I don't think they're overreacting. Like you said, the whole narrative surrounding this team was a renewed sense of grit with the Bertuzzi's, the Domies. Not that Max Domi is Ty Domi, but. He does have some of that grit and snarl to his game at times. He mm-hmm. loved. I, I don't say this as a way to uh, disparage the guy. He likes to run his mouth on the ice. He's one of those types. He likes to punch um, before the other person's gloves are off, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and where is that grit? Where is that Nowhere. snarl? Where is that bite? Where is that snot, as they say? Like, it's just, it hasn't been there. And like you said, you do that at this time to sow the seeds come playoff time that, Oh, here comes a team that we can push around. Yeah. Because in the playoffs, that is how it is viewed is that we are going to be able to push you around. And that's what the Florida Panthers did to them. That's what Tampa did at times too. At least I know they lost the series, but you remember when Stamkos lit up Matthews, Mm. he just decided to fight him. Even though Matthews (laughs) didn't really want to fight. He knew they weren't going to give him an, an instigator because there was already a penalty coming on the play. And right. he's just like, fuck it. I'll take this guy off the ice, too. And <laughs> like, and they, they're like, we're going to get away with it. No one's going to do anything. No one's coming after Stamkos. Even right. if Reeves is on the team in the playoffs, you don't think he's going to be in the press box for three quarters of the, of the fucking games? You're kidding mm-hmm. yourself. The right. Leafs are going to add at the deadline, and he's going to sit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, literally right now is the time where it's like, all right, Ryan, make make your impact on changing the narrative of who the Toronto Maple Leafs are, what our play style is. And instead, he's been more focused upon for camera shots of him sitting on the bench and him giving the, oh, you better you better not meet me uh, on the playground, Brad, after school, Brad, you don't want to be there. You don't want to know what I do to you, Brad. Like he did the same thing about Radko Gudis. Yeah. Like, like right when he got to the team, Radko Gudis wouldn't have gotten away with that shit. (laughs) I think he just yelled. (laughs) Marshan can open to one of your, one of your young defensemen who now has a high ankle sprain and is out probably for weeks. And you did nothing besides yap at him from the bench. You got mm. clowned. Ryan Reese has gotten clowned by Corey Perry and Brad Marchand now. Absolutely Correct. clowned. But don't fight him, though. He'll punch your face in. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. It's absolutely insane. 
I need some form of clarity to this whole Ryan Reeves situation because it's already fucking exhausting. Like you said, the amount of camera time. He has gotten more camera time for a fourth liner than any other fourth liner. Dude, he's gotten more camera time as a fourth liner than some people's first liners. Yeah. There needs to be some sort of development to this. I uh, Please, I do not want to talk about the lack of action from Ryan Reeves. He's taking away attention months. from the stars. Oh, my God. They, they, th- those <sighs> stars are doing just fine. They account for an insane amount of goals for that team. They're getting no depth scoring. Guess why? <laughs> like, for living signings. Think about the offseason they had. Think about how like, a lot of fans were like, yeah, fuck Dubas. Obviously didn't get the job done. Treliving signed Bertuzzi. It's been a disaster. Domi. Mm. Been kind of a disaster. Klingberg has been a horrible disaster. Reeves. Completely non-existent. His best signings? It's probably Sharks legend Noah Gregor. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's it's not John Klingberg. It's not eh. no, like Klingberg's mm. atrocious, and then like I, you knew he was gonna be. I don't understand the signing. You know, again, <sighs> I I will I will cite Jay Fresh and the information that he puts together and puts out there. Uh, it's not the end all be all. I test blah blah blah. John Klingberg statistically is already worse defensively this season. Than he was last, and he was already dreadful. And he was on Anaheim last year. Right. The dead last Anaheim Ducks, and he is playing worse defense on the Maple Leafs, playing alongside at last note Mark Giordano. 4.15 million against the Caps. Oh, he's with Giordano. Oh, is Giordano up in the top four? Does Klingberg yeah, down? Playing, uh, on That's the second right, because of all the injuries. Oh my god. Yep. <sighs> and they're, they're, I, feel bad for, I genuinely feel bad for Leafs fans at this point. Like it was like, hey, this is going to be different this year. And I it feel is bad for the fans, but I don't feel bad for the organization whatsoever. Correct. Because they 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 let Dubas go because he dared to think about trading one of the core four. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, yeah, they're kicking ass and yeah, they're earning their paychecks. But I trust what Dubas would have done with all that cap space. Then I trust what Tree Living. I mean, Tree Living had. Like, do you want 20, 20? No, nah, it was like 10 mil. No, because I got, yeah, it was like 10 mil. And he, he used it more than that. It had to be because he got Klingberg. He's on four point something. Bertuzzi, 5.5. Domi on whatever. I forget now. One by three. So looking looking at his signings uh, since taking over as Leafs GM on May 31st. Um. And I'll look at the ones that have over a million dollar cap hit. You have David Camp making 2.4. Oh, my God. That was him, too. (laughs) For four years. Yes. Three years of Ryan Reeves at 1.35. One year of John Klingberg at 4.15. One year of Max Domi at 3 million even. One year of Bertuzzi at 5.5. One year of Ilya Samsonov at 3.55. Um, obviously it hasn't kicked in yet, but the Matthews extension, which, um, do you recall what the Matthews extension becomes starting next season? 13 to five. Correct. Yeah. Austin Matthews is getting a, uh, 
a raise from the 13.25 up from 11.64. So a $1.6 million raise in a bit of spare change. Oh, he is. But the problem is they're already having trouble getting proper roster construction. And now you just lost an extra one and a half million dollars to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, would, would John Klingberg be willing to take two and a half? Well, if he's not, you're in big trouble now. <laughs> yeah. So I would have preferred Hyman over Bertuzzi just 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 because of the fit. Yeah, I wish Bertuzzi stayed in Boston. He was so much better of a fit right there because while I think they, he wishes he was still there, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, that whole I, laughing thing. I'm going to go back to that because I, I didn't get a chance to chime in. I think people are overreacting to it. I think he's laughing at Marchand. Because he was just teams teammates with him. I'm sure Marshand is saying every crazy thing under the sun. And Bertuzzi's right. like, you're such a nice guy. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, probably. I'm yeah, sh- I'm sure he's right. like, you're so full of shit. Like, <laughs> like and I'm yeah. but it's I understand why everyone's freaking out about that because no one responded. And to see someone laughing right there is bad optics. And then Bertuzzi does what Bertuzzi's going to do and is a little shit about it. He's like, fuck you, media. I'm not answering your shit. I don't need to explain myself, which this, that's what you fucking signed. You signed right. that guy to be that guy. Now you're pissed at him because he said, fuck you to the media, because now you want an answer. You get to decide when you want someone to be this, you know, this shithead out there and decide when he shouldn't be and and, and answer questions. Right. It's the same circus with a different ringleader. Mm-hmm. It just so. never stops for Toronto. Yeah. Um, and it, obviously there are plenty of situations a team can find themselves in where it's just like, oh, God, it's just mentally exhausting for the fans. Um, Toronto never fails to disappoint to just put a new, a new spin on it, basically. I don't know how yeah. they do it, but they always do it. You mentioned Radko Gudis. So I want to talk about his new team. Because you see, he made sure to get almost geographically as far away from Ryan Reeves as he could. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. That was great. That was brilliant. Thank you. Uh, He is now a member of the Anaheim Ducks. The red hot Anaheim Ducks, who completed the seven four and zero oh, Anaheim Ducks, who completed a big come from behind victory against the Vegas Golden Knights to hand them their first regulation loss of the season. Similarly <laughs> to how they handed the Bruins their first loss of the season, handed me a fantasy tie instead of a win. You fucks! I really needed that win for the Vegas goalie. <sighs> well, hey, you can't win them all, as no. they say. Um, the Ducks have just been so good. And here's the thing, right? I thought that was a team last year that shouldn't have been as bad as they were. They were a bad team. They shouldn't have been dead last in the league. Bad. So it's not surprising to me to see them kind of take this step forward to be 7-4-0 and not bad and competitive. What wasn't expected, I would say, is the performance of these two players in particular. First and foremost... Mason McTavish, 13 points in 11 games. Um, a real like complete effort, essentially, from him. He has taken a massive step forward in his development and is looking like the guy that they were hoping they would get 
when they drafted him in the first round, uh, he has been awesome so far. Absolutely awesome. And perhaps even better. And we mentioned this guy on the last show when we were talking about awards. And this guy, I don't think anyone should be surprised at this point if he finishes as a Calder finalist, if he keeps up this pace, I think it would be undeniable. And that is 19-year-old Pavel Mintikov. Eight points in 11 games. Uh, has more points than Connor Bedard, which is kind of funny. Uh, he's tied for the NHL lead in rookie points and assists. And uh, his teammate, Sam Carrick, said this, quote, it's hard to believe at 19 years old how comfortable he is out there. He's going to be a stud for a lot of years in this league, no doubt. We said how some people are saying, like, oh, it kind of feels like another Moritz Sider. Those are the quotes you were seeing about Moritz Sider when he joined the Red Wings. Um, yep. Holy shit. What what a pick for the Ducks. And even if, like, look, they can end up being a, a middling team this year. This is what they needed after look at the division bad... they're in. <laughs> yeah, right. Middling like, could be playoffs, man. That's fair. <laughs> that is fair. Um, th- this is just so perfect for this mm-hmm. team, right? To have them performing at a higher level. They re signed Trevor Zegras. Um, you obviously added in Leo Carlson as the second overall pick this year. He has four points in seven games. That's really not that bad when we talked about earlier how difficult it can be, especially for European players to take that step over. Um, to have McTavish develop like this, and again, to have a 19-year-old defenseman who was, uh, oh, the 10th overall pick in 2022, uh, to have him playing at this level already, I mean, Again, Ducks fans have all the reason in the world to be happy. Like you yes. said, it might be good enough to make the playoffs this year. But this is the like, OK, if we're going to suck, can we at least see some signs of life and promise and hope for the future? And they have that in a variety of different ways throughout that lineup right now. Yeah, um, I, I've been a big, big Mason McTavish advocate for a while. Um, mm. Simply because I remember, you know. I can't remember what we were talking about, what we were like, oh, yeah, you know, the centers for the Ducks. When I think it was when we were going over the the the, the before season thing on this and we mentioned Zegris. I cannot remember who was mentioned as like the 2C or whatever. Maybe we even brought up Carlson. Like, like oh, imagine the middle. You got Zegris and then Carlson. And I was just like, hey, guys, Mason McTavish. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be a little bit vindicated on my uh, on my being very excited about Mason McTavish because He's looking like an absolute stud. Um, and the Ducks, this is this is the year where even if they don't make the playoffs, even if they fall off, this is the year where they have started to turn the corner on their rebuild. And uh, good for them. Good for my good, my one of my best friends I've known since elementary school who grew up on the street together, who's a big Ducks fan. Um, yeah, it's just good to see them clicking and the amount of young talent that they have thinking where LA's at sharks, obviously a few years behind both of these guys, but I don't know, man, 2028, the California <laughs> gauntlet's back, baby. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You mentioned the Pacific and I'm looking at it. Like obviously Vegas, they're going to be a playoff team again. They're 11, one and one on the season. Yeah. They're still, Tremendously. Genuinely, right now, it's it's November 6th. You ask me, hey, do you think the Vegas Golden Knights re- or hey, 
guess what? Uh, I'm I'm from the future. The Vegas Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup again. They go back to back. I'd be like, okay, sounds about right. Like they are still constructed to do so. Not that Sim would be happy about it. No, I'd hate it. They are constructed to do so. <laughs> um, make sure I'm in Finland again for it. If, if that bullshit go. has to happen. The Vancouver Canucks are another team that deserves a big shout out. I was going to mention this when we talk about another team in that division, but they are eight, two and one on the season. It is the best record through 11 games in the history of the franchise. Nobody expected this because you head into this season with the Canucks and the questions of like, Oh God, well, there's still the JT Miller contract and, uh, the, you know, just a, a team with a lot of questions, essentially. Pedersen's an RFA at the end of the year, and they've been really, really good so far. Again, you think that that line of the best start in franchise history through 11 games, you think about those Canuck teams at the end of the 2010s, the early 2010s, uh, you know, the Sedins, the Ryan Kesslers of the world, the Wongo in goal. How did and even they, they didn't start a season by winning eight of 11 games. How did they not? Right. <laughs> it's just one of those like hockey math things that just doesn't compute. Um, Los Angeles is still going to be right up there in contention. You would imagine they made the playoffs last year. A lot of people are still worried about their goaltending, of course. But yeah, yeah and there's Anaheim. Be. And when you have... The teams below them, Seattle, Calgary, Edmonton, especially because we didn't view San Jose as a playoff threat at all, and especially don't now. Um, but when Seattle, Calgary, and Edmonton are three teams where it's like, yeah, they, they should be pushing for playoff spots. And those teams have a combined nine wins on the season. You know, that's uh, maybe opening the door a little bit for Anaheim to be ahead of schedule. It could be fun. They could find themselves in that situation. You know, I think the the primary example I always think of is when the Leafs made the playoffs like a year or two earlier than people thought they would and nearly beat Washington. At least they gave Washington a really competitive mm-hmm. series. That could be Anaheim's role this year. Yeah. So for Ducks fans, plenty of room to be excited. We might as well stay in the Pacific. Sure. Um, because there's, there's three notes here. Now, there was this one. Um, I didn't see too much in regards to this, but I know it was a talking point. It's in regards to the Seattle Kraken, um, where one of their trainers um, became the first openly out person on an NHL bench, Justin Rogers, um, which first and foremost, tremendous bravery at a time like this. Uh, so fair play to you, Justin. Um, beyond that, I don't care because you're just living your life and being you and not hurting anybody. So what the fuck do I care? Um, But a lot of people on the social media side of things were like, oh, the NHL is celebrating this on their social media accounts after um, their bluff was called about pride tape and everything Mm -hmm. that's kind of happened this year. And now you're going to be like, yeah, we support you, Justin. Bullshit. Do you? Do you, though? And there's a disconnect, obviously, between whoever's running the NHL social media accounts and stuff like that. I'm not surprised that the person behind those accounts or the people behind those accounts actually do indeed support Justin Rogers. Um, But does the NHL, you know, I don't don't think they do. It, It feels 
Just a little bit gross. Only was... if it's convenient. That's the NHL. Only when it's convenient. The NHL is essentially a U.S. politician. The second something becomes safe Damn. to fucking support, they jump on it. Damn. And even when they are caught being the biggest hypocrite in the world, they are somehow able to just shamelessly do that shit. That pissed me off so fucking much. And I'm glad to see I wasn't alone in being absolutely pissed off by that. They were getting torn up in the quote, in the quote tweets and in the, and in the tweet replies as well. They, and fucking deservedly. So, and I know the person who runs the account doesn't deserve it. As you said, they may in fact be a supporter of that, but it's, you know, it's the NHL brand at the end of the day and the NHL brand canceled every single special interest night because six players or seven players decided not to wear a prize jersey. They canceled every single night. And then they went a step further and made it about the LGBTQ community by saying you can't wear pride tape anywhere. Travis Dermott said, fuck you. I do what I want. Even on my league minimum, this is a bigger cause than, than, you know, than, than essentially my, the possibility of my career being derailed and, and me being blackballed. And the NHL, as the cowards they are, rescinded the ban, didn't didn't follow through because they knew what would happen. And so them them trying to come back here and be like fucking, oh yeah, this is so great. Go fuck yourselves. Like, go fuck yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's again, that, that's the biggest takeaway. I think you nailed it, right? It's okay, what are what are <laughs> What what are the benefits to us, the league, to talk mm-hmm. about this? Oh, oh, okay. People are people are happy about this. Yeah, you, you. Oh, people aren't happy about this. Oh, I can't even do with that. Like you said, they are. They're they're apolitical in the worst kind of way, where they're not actually apolitical. They just they just pretend to be based mm-hmm. off of whether or not it is convenient to them. Like you mentioned, it's that idea of you know if someone's just like, hey, look, I'm not talking about any of this stuff. I'm right in the middle because I don't want to get into the divisive conversations. Sure. Like you said, no, they're also not- full of shit. Those pe- people like that are also full of shit. That means you're, that means you're complicit when atrocities yeah. fucking happen. I don't care. Oh, I'm apolitical. I don't have a stance on this, this, or this. I'm not even going to say uh, certain things, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I was kind of hoping that would be the response there. I kind of led you into that one, but thank you. <laughs> it's just, it's like, because that was the main thing that I saw is people being like, oh, what's the matter with people kind of riding in the middle? It's like, well, you just kind of said what the problem is with people mm-hmm. riding the middle at this stage is, you know, hey, in this specific instance. Yeah. How, but how's Ivan Provorov doing right now? Is he okay? Making millions of dollars. I think he's okay. Um, but you know, what what about what about the fans who were just like, ah, yes, you showed me who you actually are. And then like, you know, it's just, uh, the continued nonsense surrounding the NHL. But we had to mention that too. And like I said, there there's a lot to talk about. It just coincidentally yeah. ended up in the uh, Pacific Division, where it's like, okay, some topics are fun topics, others well, aren't. I just, I just realized so much happened in the Pacific. <laughs> I guess we could stay there. We got a couple more uh, mm-hmm. teams that have some big things going on. Yeah, well, we'll kind of go then in order of uh, current standings. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. <laughs> the Calgary Flames, as well as the Edmonton Oil. Alberta is burning, essentially. 
Again, uh, between shit. these two teams, they are both <laughs> tragic at this yeah. stage. The Oilers, there's not much new to the tragedy aside from you're adding in um, pictures of like Leon Dreisaitl on the bench looking goddamn miserable to really sum up like, so how tonight's Oilers game go? And it's just Dreisaitl being like, I could be anywhere else but here and happier. The Calgary Flames, though. Obviously, there's continued talk about, hey, are they going to kind of blow it up here? We talked about the. Uh, litany of UFAs that they have, especially the the big three on defense of Hannafin, Tanev, and Zadorov, and Elliot Friedman has mentioned. Um, he said, quote, I think they are calling around engaging the market. I can see teams like Toronto, Edmonton, and Vancouver showing interest in those players, which to me is just like, hey, Canada, talk about this. Mm-hmm. No disrespect, Elliot. Um, in terms of the players themselves, um, Jonathan Huberdeau the other night wasn't even on the ice for the last minute of the game as a $10 million player. He was just on the bench as coaching elected to go elsewhere, which shows how uh, rough of a time he is still having in Calgary, despite the fact that Sutter's no longer there as the coach. And then there was the big thing surrounding the Calgary Flames. Remember, and here's why we bring things up in certain orders. Remember when I talked about the, uh, the podcaster's curse a little bit ago in regards to Jack Hughes? Mm-hmm. Last week, we talked about, as did a lot of people, the idea that the NHL Department of Player Safety was finding consistency at the start of the year. Oh. And then Andrew Mangiapani did his best impersonation of a guillotine and gets one game. One game. For a very similar incident that Jamie Ben. But you see, Toogie, he missed most of that game too. So uh, that <laughs> that could be added into the expansion, right? We'll prorate his suspension. But remember, mm-hmm. guys, playoff games are worth twice as many regular season games. Right. So still doesn't fucking add up. That's boy math. NHL boy math. <laughs> um any goodwill that the DOPS had started to kind of build up of like, oh yeah, four games from the McAvoy headshot. Okay, yeah, four games for that. All right, cool. And you just blew it. Like, you just blew it. And I'm sorry, but my thought was we have talked so much about safety in the past week and a half because of the Adam Johnson situation. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where, by the way, we we had another note because there was a clip circulating uh, Washington played Columbus and Tom Wilson hit Boone Jenner. Oh, and what happened to Boone Jenner's skate? Oh, it went up in the air because that's that happens all the fucking time in hockey games. And the conversation surrounding hockey has been safety. TJ Oshie, Rasmus Dahlin, multiple Penguins choosing to now wear neck guards without it being an enforced thing. You have Marty St. Louis, the head coach of the Habs being quoted as saying this. When I was younger, I took a puck to the eye to this day. My left eye still isn't the same as my right. I watched the game today and wonder how I ever played without a visor. When he was asked about, Hey, changing in the evolution of protective gear. Um, and then you have something like this where it's like, man, Japani again, a cross check to the neck of a downed opponent. One game. You have the clip of, 
Gustav Nyquist picking up his fucking teeth off the ice after getting high stick to people like, oh man, that's hardcore. This is gnarly. And it's like, no, it's fucking stupid. Yeah. It is. It's fucking stupid because you have, I'm sorry, I don't have sympathy for Gustav Nyquist in that situation because you could choose to wear a piece of equipment that would save you time in the fucking dentist's office and you don't do it because oh, it fogs up a little bit or oh, I didn't grow up wearing it so it's kind of weird and oh, well, you know, us hockey players, uh, you know, we, we're really a superstitious bunch. It's just this like continued back and forth between... Are we actually serious about player safety here? And it's conflicting with the people who are just like, nah, dude, that was fucking cool. He's picking teeth up off the ice. He's he's fucking great. Or man, Marty St. Louis, what a warrior. He admitted to getting hit in the fucking eye and he still played. He's a Hall of Famer. Look at that fucking guy. That's a man right there. They're not men in today's league. Um, I don't know. I just couldn't help. And maybe I'm wrong for kind of viewing this all wrapped up into one kind of thing, but the Manjapani thing, it's like, cool, here we are having serious conversations about player safety and the evolution of it. And then you give a guy one game for an action like that. I'm going to I'm going to ask uh, or bring bring up a point which I think may have contributed to this. Both Rasmus Anderson and Charlie McAvoy appealed their extent, uh, suspensions. I believe both were upheld. Yes. But I wonder if the DOPS is like, we don't want to fucking keep getting all these appeals. Honestly, you might be onto something. <laughs> it might be. I mean, the NHL hates. I I I, just, I feel like that has to be part of it. Both of them were appealed, and now the DOPS is like, oh, uh, I guess we got to back off on the whole safety thing. No, like keep setting the standard, and then guess what? They won't appeal anymore. It's the same thing of call cross checks the whole time throughout <laughs> the year, not just the first ten games. They'll learn and not do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Fuck. But they're like, oh, but I feel the like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> it's the thing, though, too. It's like it's almost counterintuitive, like the NHLPA's role, because obviously it's like your role is to stand up for the players. But like, like you, you've talked about before on the show. Okay, we're gonna stand up for Andrew Mangiapane here to only get one game. What about the guy who got fucking hit in the neck? Yeah. Oh, we're going to stand up for Charlie McAvoy to not miss four games. What about the fact he fucking brained Oliver Ekman Larson? Yep. Like, what about him? (laughs) But so much of their focus because of how the suspension system and the fines and all that is set up is for them to defend the offender as opposed to just being like defend the money. That's what it is. So it's just a really fucking weird system and setup that they have in the league right now. And it it just, it seems so counterintuitive on so many different fronts. I I don't know, but yeah, we, uh, we jinx the NHL DOPS in terms of, uh, we, we praised them, I think for the first time in the history of this show. And, uh, they immediately (laughs) said, Oh yeah, (laughs) watch this space. So good job, George. Killing it. Um, goodness. Well, you know what? We we gotta we gotta save that last Pacific Division team for last, right? At this point. Well, who else does we have to talk about? On in oh, the you know who we have to talk about in the Pacific. In the Pacific. Who the fuck am I missing? Okay, go. Uh, who? 
Well, it's an AHL level team that we have to talk about. But I oh, think oh, I thought you said again. you were saving that. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. I, oh, okay, I, th- I thought we had another Pacific team to talk about before that. Nah, okay. No, oh, good. okay. So we're not staying in the Pacific. That's fine. I, well, I think we should save him for last, right? Fine. Yeah, I got a lot. I think to say. we should. That'll be fun. Um, a couple other notes, really quickly, uh, and first and foremost, because I mentioned the whole Adam Johnson thing. By the way, um, the Nottingham Panthers, uh, as well as having a memorial for him this weekend. Uh, they are also selling a memorial jersey with the proceeds going to his family. Uh, shop.panthers.co.uk is the link for that. They're selling it for 47 euro, which was his jersey number. More than affordable. Um, they have been bombarded with orders, so it'll take a while for it to get there. Um, but I cannot think of uh, you know a better use for money on a hockey jersey than this one essentially. So uh, if you can, if you want to, again, visit the Nottingham Panthers team store um, and get that Adam Johnson uh, tribute jersey with, again, proceeds going to his family. Um, oh God, I, you know what? I, I, I debated how do we bring up this topic and when, but can rip the Band-Aid off really quickly. In fairness, both of these next two topics suck. Um, for the Carolina Hurricanes... Uh, Freddie Anderson, their goaltender, is going to be out for an undetermined amount of time due to a blood clot issue. Um, the team has signed veteran uh, goaltender Yaroslav Halak to a PTO and will likely end up signing him. How the fuck was he not signed before? I love Halak. He's solid backup. Whoa. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, you got you to give those spots to Phoenix Copley and Cam Talbot in Los Angeles. Um <laughs> Just all we can say at this point is best wishes to Freddie Anderson. He is not yeah. the first player that we've seen um, have a blood clot issue. If I'm not mistaken, it was the reason why Pascal Dupuis had to retire a little bit earlier than he would have wanted to. Um, just a, a scary, scary thing. But at the same time, you're thankful that it is somebody in that position who has the access to the medical care and everything yeah. that otherwise this could have been an undiagnosed thing. And then who the fuck knows? So at the very least, you know, like, okay. His hockey career at this point is secondary. At least he's going to be getting that attention that he needs. So best wishes to Freddie Anderson. And then there's Chicago. <sighs> okay. We again, like there's there's so many different things. I don't want to say we have limited time today, and it, it sucks because there is part of me that's like, have we bounced around from one topic too many? But our, our kind of more recent show format of like big topic, smaller topic didn't quite fit with how much we had to discuss yeah. today. And even in that format, where the fuck would we pencil this and to be like, here's the perfect time to talk about this? Because there isn't a perfect time to talk about this. Um, but it's it's been in the past week that people were joking, obviously, about uh, the uh, fine dealt upon the Ottawa Senators. For the Pierre Dorian flub of the Dadnoff no trade list and the trade with Vegas and then the Knicks trade with Anaheim. Dorian loses his job and the Sens are going to potentially lose a first round pick if the NHL doesn't uh, renege on that punishment sometime in the near future. And a lot of people are making the comparisons of LOL Chicago 2 million. Well, we'll see what happens to Chicago this time because... As reported on by Philip Thompson of the Chicago Tribune and summed up by TSN's Rick Westhead because the Chicago Tribune is a, uh, a subscription-based website. A former member of the Blackhawks Black Aces squad, for those who do not know what that is, uh, it is essentially the healthy scratches for the playoffs. 
um, you know, guys that are called up that you often see in the box that are on the playoff roster, uh, but are the guys that typically do not get in the games. That's why I say when the Washington Capitals won, Shane Gersich is down on the ice with the Stanley Cup, which is really cool for him. Um, but a member, a former member of the Blackhawks Black Aces squad and teammate of Kyle Beach has filed a lawsuit in which they allege that former video coach, I don't even want to say this fucking guy's name. I don't know. I'm no, going fuck to fuck him. Uh, quote, you know he's groomed, not in prison. Yeah. yeah. It's great, isn't it? Uh, quote, groomed, harassed, threatened, and assaulted him, and that the team buried his complaint to protect their 2010 Stanley Cup run. <sighs> the former Blackhawk, referred to as John Doe in court documents, is represented by a law firm which represented high school football players in a 2021 lawsuit alleging they were sexually assaulted during a hazing trial. Attorneys for John Doe ritual. confirmed hmm? the ritual. Sorry, I just oh yeah, I, I didn't want to. Pe- yeah, I didn't want to people to get hear court and then hear trial and be in misunderstanding. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Sorry. Yeah. Good. yeah, you're right. I just totally misread that. My bad. Um, attorneys for John Doe confirmed to the Chicago Tribune that their client is a player referred to as Black Ace One in a report by the law firm Jenneran Block that detailed the findings of an investigation into Kyle Beach's allegations of sexual assault and a cover-up by the team. So this is the same player that corroborated all of this two years ago when this story broke. It's not someone who uh, was a complete unknown in the situation and has just stepped out of the woodwork. They were always known to have been involved in this situation. And it continues, quote, Black Ace One has been considering a lawsuit against Chicago for nearly two years, if not longer. Um, Request had added in February 2022, I reported that Black Ace One, the former skills coach, Paul Vincent, and one time Miami of Ohio University hockey player um, had hired a lawyer to explore litigation against the NHL team. So again, this is not someone because anytime something like this happens, someone shows up. It's like, Oh, well, where were they when this happened? And mm-hmm. We saw that with Kyle beach. Oh, why'd you wait 10 years and all this shit? Uh, but fuck. this, this is, yeah, I mean, those people are fucking horrific. This is someone who from day one that we heard about this story was involved in the story mm-hmm. from day one. Since we heard about this story, even before we knew Kyle beach's name, this person was also involved in this story, exploring the options. And at the same time, I cannot, neither of us can put ourselves into this person's shoes, especially in terms of like, well, do I just try to let this go? What do I do? And the fear of it has to be that much more amplified. I wanted to add this from Robert Malloy, who most would know as the community manager at SDPN uh, and the caption guru for Steve Dangle's personal YouTube channel. Um, adding this quote, uh, we always knew there was another victim. It was in the report. The difference now is that they are suing the Blackhawks. This is not the same person as Kyle Beach, and we may never know the victim's name, and that is okay. And you should not go looking for it because when the Kyle Beach thing happened, he wasn't named, but people did enough digging on the minute details that were added about who it could possibly be, and it led to the point where Kyle Beach was like, fuck it. People already know I'm going to go out there and take that extra step. And that is something where if you are black ace one, that that's a fear is the idea of like, there's a very good chance through this going to court that I'm going to be named Mm -hmm. and having to deal 
with that of your name being out there. We saw what people were saying about Kyle Beach. I don't know of too many people that are like, yeah, I'm willing to sign up for that. <laughs> you know, he was like, being he blamed went, like, yeah. fuck you guys, man. So uh, it's also worth noting, quote, the suit, which accuses the Hawks of showing, quote, utter indifference and or conscious disregard for the safety of its employees, including John Doe, names the team as the sole defendant uh, with a jury trial um, being seeked in this situation. Um, lawyers for John Doe said today that they are suing Chicago for, quote, well in excess of $300,000 worth of damages and addressed why it took years for uh, Black Ace One to pursue a legal claim uh, with lawyer Anthony Romanucci stating, quote, he feels an intense amount of personal shame, guilt and embarrassment, and it took him a long while to reconcile, which is exactly what Kyle Beach said for just how long it took him to get to that state mentally of wanting to face this and not just being like, I'm just going to try to let it go and move on with my life. And sometimes it takes people a while to come to the realization that they like have suffered that trauma. Um, If you actually listen to survivors of sexual assault, some of them are like, it doesn't even hit them like until days after weeks after what exactly happened. Your brain has a way of blocking out various traumas and Mm -hmm. coping with things and just, because it does, you know, it's it's a weird defense mechanism that your brain has, especially when as you're when you're younger. Um, and again, there's so much stigma around sexual assault as it is, but even more so when it when it's when it is a male being sexually assaulted, mm-hmm. uh, because they should be able to fight this person off, or they should do this, they should do this. There, it's so much victim blaming going on. And as it is for women too, why are you wearing this or what? All the bullshit that people try to show up and like you heard it from Kyle Beach already. Like, how does a guy who's six foot two hundred pounds get sexually assaulted? And I was again, I'm I'm not going to go too much into it, but I was reading some of the things and some of the events that took place. A fucking piece of shit guy who should be in prison trying to enter a sexual encounter that Black Ace One and 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 a girl were having. Going into their fucking room and trying to enter this and stuff like that. And like, so yes, if you're, if you're younger and around this weird, crazy hockey environment, maybe that doesn't occur to you as something that's terribly wrong at first. Hmm. Um, especially with all the hazing and other stuff that we know goes on in, in, in hockey culture and, and stuff like that, crazy parties and whatnot. But Again, many people, especially guys, are not taught the ins and outs of consent. Hmm. And that is very important. Not only so you're not a piece of shit, but that that another piece of shit isn't, you know, allowed to assert their dominance in whether it's physically or from a power structure standpoint to take advantage of you. And fuck the Blackhawks, man. Just fuck that whole organization. I don't care how many people were fired. Like, I don't care. Um, that's not that's not a punishment. They fucking should be. I don't know why people are acting like, well, hey, we had to fire everyone. Fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That, that's not a punishment. That's what you should fucking do when they cover up a, a, something illegal, a sexual assault, something that changed people's fucking lives forever. Not only that, 
gave a glowing endorsement for this piece of shit to go, and then he assaulted kids. Yep. Good fucking job, Chicago. You're killing it, sweetie. Okay, they want a cup. They, they should. That should be taken away. I don't care. Name striked off the cup. Le- why? Why should they? Why <laughs> should they get to keep that? They buried sexual assault so they could do that. I mean, like you said, the whole idea of like, oh, well, John Quinville, Stan Bowman and company, these guys lost their jobs. That should have been a separate thing from the punishments. That's not a part of the punishments. That's the natural order of what should have happened. Chicago should have said, oh, yeah, Stan Bowman's gone and we will accept any further punishment from here. The Florida Panthers. Yeah, no, Joel Quinville has gone. Obviously, we're not going to face any further punishment because we weren't involved. Uh, but yeah, we have no problem getting rid of this guy as our head coach because that's unacceptable, obviously. Um, like, we knew this story wasn't likely to go away just because it's been over two years now since it initially broke. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, the fact, again, that people were just talking about this because of the Sens punishment being harsher than what the Hawks faced two years ago. Um, Absolutely. So much harsher considering <sighs> Chicago. Uh, pretty much, I can't remember exactly what their season ticket sales were 48 hours after the draft lottery, but it was at least five times the fine amount. I want to say it was four or five times the fine amount. That's a fucking joke. I have it right here. Um, This is from May 9th of this year from CBSSports.com. An article by, and excuse me if I mispronounce this, by Austin Nivison. Hawks sell 2.5 worth of season, 2.5 million worth of season tickets after winning the draft lottery for the right to select Connor Bedard. 2.5 million worth of season tickets. Again, a reminder, the fine was $2 million. I thought it was higher. Yeah. Anyway, it's erased. In a well, day. it is by now. That was just. Yeah. Oh, that, that was, was just one May. day. Oh. Yeah, imagine what they had in the summer heading into the beginning of the season. When they, they were putting that kid's face fucking everywhere. Oh, yeah. 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 Again, God it's damn. just... And, and the problem is now, what's the NHL going to do about it from here? Nothing. You can't possibly... Like, Chicago will be able to raise a fuss if you try to find them more than what you already did. What, are you going to punish us again for something you already punished us about? You know for a fact... They will fight that. I I just don't see what happens here beyond uh, they. My guess, and it's way too early, and it might not even be fair to do. But my guess is they just find a way to reach a settlement, pay this person off to just be like, go away. We don't need this because you know that's their attitude. You know that's their attitude. Even though Rocky Wirtz uh, has passed away, you know that's still the attitude. Um, and it's not even necessarily because again, we talked about um. You know, the idea of Rocky Wirtz's response. And again, we talked about the Mark Lazarus thing and we're moving on and all this shit. Um, And we talked about him talking to his 40 year old son, Danny, uh, 50 year old son, Danny, like he was a 12 year old. Basically telling him, sit down, shut up. The adults are talking. Um, I don't know. Like. Again, the idea of like, well, Danny Wirtz, is he a better person than his dad? Maybe. Um, but just the way things operate within the league, every I can't imagine a situation where every other owner 
is like, uh, you already find them. And if that was me in the situation, I would not accept this. So I can almost guarantee there will be a situation where there will not be major repercussions depending the outcome of this lawsuit. And Gary Bettman will again step into his role as heat shield of the owners um, to not set the precedent of, yeah, if you fuck up in a major, major way, um, that, yeah, we can dish out as much punishment as you want. I couldn't help but think, I, I w- this might make me a bad person. I'll fess up to it. That's fine. I wish Rocky Wirtz was still alive for this. I do. I want to know, what would Rocky Wirtz, Mr. We're moving on, we're not going to talk about it, what would he say about the fact that his team is currently facing another lawsuit due to a sexual assault cover-up? I'd love to know what he would have said. We'll never know. I wonder if any... Here's my thing. I, I, I'm sure you're right that the NHL won't do anything, but what if there's m- more new infor- information, new 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 proof of cover-ups, new, new names? Could you be. have to. You, you should punish him again, but yeah, you're right. They have this defense of double jeopardy or what, you know, like essentially. Whatever like their eight. equivalent might be. Yeah. yeah, you can't punish us again. You already punished us. No, they didn't. Like $2 million fine is so... Like, I think we already did the numbers and we did. like, yeah, the Blackhawks are like a billion dollar organization almost. Mm-hmm. Oh, they are. Yeah, they. Yeah, I mean, they're one of the richest franchises and Forbes. Um, I had an article out about the the words family in 2015. Um, 2015, America's richest family's net worth as of July 1st. 2015 and the Wirtz family was valued at 4.4 billion dollars. 0.005% of their net worth. I want to yeah. say. Now, obviously this if includes I'm much more than it. much more than just the Hawks and that worth, but yeah. you talk about like what that family is worth, what that organization is worth. And just how, dude, a slap on the wrist doesn't even begin to explain the lack of what this was, especially to, I know this was Endo's kind of contribution to this. Um, And again, obviously, we weren't able to have Endo on the show today. It's primarily my fault um, due to the late start. But Endo kind of made the mention of there's a certain referee, a former referee who loves to run their mouth on Twitter, um, who I'm also not going to name uh, because he he is very much an engagement farmer. He'll say dumb shit to bring attention to it, um, who is actively campaigning, of course, for Joel Quinville to be the new head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and we've said it since day one. Joel Quinville will be a coach in the NHL again. He will. Of course he will. Why wouldn't he be? When he's viewed as a... And that's the thing. Joel Quinville is a tremendous fucking coach. But who gives a fuck how effective you are at the job? As Sin mentioned, there's no way you didn't fucking know when players are making comments in practice towards Kyle Beach. Oh, it was essentially admitted with like, I mean, they said they had Joe Quenville when all this was brought up to this whole group of them. Joe Quenville said, no, we're trying to win here. I'm not talking about that. We can't worry about that. We're trying to win here. Mm -hmm. Fuck Joel Quenville. Like, how are how are we even having a conversation? How is the NHL even entertaining 
the idea of allowing these guys back. Yeah. Um, right here. Serious fucking league. On October 26, 2021, an independent investigation into how the Hawks responded to claims that former video coach piece of shit uh, sexually assaulted Kyle Beach during a 2020, 2010 Stanley Cup playoff uh, run revealed that Quinville and the rest of the Hawks senior leadership team opted to defer any action on piece of shit until after the Stanley Cup final. According to the report, Quinville was particularly concerned about it causing a distraction before the finals. Piece of shit was allowed to quietly resign after the fact and subsequently pled guilty to assaulting a player to Michigan High School where he was a volunteer coach. Quinville had previously claimed he had no knowledge of piece of shit's misdeeds before Beach and the high school player sued the Hawks, but multiple witnesses have stated he was called into a meeting to discuss piece of shit uh, shortly before the Hawks defeated the Sharks in the 2010 uh, Western Conference Finals. But again, there are those assholes out there who's going to be like, oh, he's a great coach, he can help us win. This whole story... While it's not at the forefront of the NHL anymore, it's not going away. Um, and, you know, there are the Hawks fans out there who are smooth-brained, who you know how they respond them. to any critique of their yeah. team. Yeah. Um, and there are the so, ones so out weird there. How so many use burners, too. Like, if you're so fucking proud, say it on main. Yeah. But you I do know, know Hawks fans that are shit. out there, though, who are just like, man, I've been a lifelong fan of this team, and it sucks, and they don't know how to feel, because it's like, I want to be happy about Connor Bedard and support my team, but then there's this. Um, you know. That kind yeah, of shout out to Wally middle. something. Wally Maz. I almost said Wally Mrazic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wally Maz. There you go. Good, good Twitter follow with a lot of Hawks stuff, and he's, you know actively saying yeah this is fucking wrong all the time which is good and i'd like to see that a lot more from uh yeah. from a lot of hawks fan instead of the typical lol cry we have bedard lol cry we're never getting our cups taken away right yeah and i mean i, I think too you know it's just that idea of oh god it's just there's just so much to it honestly mm. i think our thoughts are out there at this point yeah um like i said i knew that that topic in particular would make for an awkward kind of pacing to the show where it's like, man, this team sucks, don't they? Also, here's this kind of crazy thing. And hey, let's celebrate the Ducks. Yeah. Um, hopefully people feel as though we've, we've handled it in a, in a positive mm. way. And, you know, I, I always kind of worry about that myself. I'm like, OK, the the pacing of the show, like, could we have done better and, and stuff like that? Um, I'm still way too tired from this weekend to be able yeah, to be well, hey, it, it sets the mood for our, our final topic. So it does. Um, we will Speaking adjust of back. embarrassments. <laughs> yeah. So we will adjust back to the hockey side of things here. We've made you guys wait long enough for this one, and it'll allow us to end the show on a somewhat comedic note as well. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the moment that you've all been waiting. The time for. is nigh. <laughs> Let's talk about the San Jose Sharks. Sin, I, how do you want to handle this? Do you just want to go, or do you want me to bring up certain aspects and then just have you? What let's, do you think? Let's tell a story. Let's tell a story, a, a, a two-part story, where the Canucks come into the Sharks building, flying high. And the Sharks are 
been awful. Have been awful. Uh, but guess what? We had a few days rest. The Canucks come out and make the Sharks look like an ECHL team. Mm. Again and again and again. And you have it right there. In one game, the Canucks scored more goals than the San Jose Sharks had scored all season. And that was their 10th game. Yeah. Or ninth game. I, so... <laughs> There's a lot to di- to to dissect in that. It, it sucks getting blown out. It sucks even more getting blown out on your home ice in front of your fans. But oh, San Jose managed that. Um, in the game during the I want to say the sixth goal that Vancouver was scoring, and it was Mickey. Doesn't matter who was it. Um, cocking in as he slid over to make the save got clipped mm. in the head by the goal scorer. And as that happened, all the sharks sadly saunter off the ice after the goal is scored. Kokkinen is clearly shaken up five Canucks skaters surrounding him, checking if he's okay. Not a single shark in sight after this already happened to Blackwood and there was zero response from the sharks. You get blown out 10-1. Your goalie gets run, essentially. There's no response, and you're not checking on a guy who's injured. No one even skated out afterwards, after they can clearly see. Only the trainer came out. It was the most embarrassed I've ever felt as a Sharks fan. Your goalie, who you've left out to dry six times over now, got run into on a goal. And... No, no response. After the fact, all the sharks said, "You know, we, you ne- never saw it. You know, we already talked about this once when Blackwood. We would have done something. We would have had a response. We've talked about this. Blah 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 blah." I don't want to fucking hear that. Kevin LeBanc, look at the replay. He's right there. He watches it happen, and sad boy skates away. Like I, fine. You get the benefit of fucking doubt. All right, cool. All the interviews afterwards is the most embarrassing loss I've ever experienced as a Sharks fan. We got to get to practice. We got to get back to work. We got to come back and have a response. Next game. You're playing the 6-3-0 Pittsburgh Penguins. What do you do? You come out in the first period. You're looking to set the tone. You're Anthony DeClaire. You shove fucking Eric Carlson about 20 times and take a penalty. Penn score. But you have a really good first period. You're still down three to nothing, though. What the fuck? Why does this keep going wrong? Time for the second period. Are we still pissed? Absolutely not. We are the San Jose Sharks of 2023, and we are defeated already after 20 minutes because we know we haven't scored more than three goals in a game. We only did that once. Hmm. And you just sit back and allow your goaltenders including Mackenzie Blackwood, who has stood on his head numerous times this season, trying to keep you in fucking games, and you let him get absolutely shelled. What do you say when you've had the two most embarrassing loss of your hockey career one after another? Well, Anthony Duclair said not enough people are pissed off, need to be engaged and ready to go from the puck drop. That's all well and good, but maybe also... Don't take a penalty in the first minute of the game. Um, but I agree. Get fucking pissed. 
saw Giovanni Smith in that game against the Pens trying to get something going, uh, but they're already up by five or six every time you tried to fight someone. So, yeah, Pens aren't going to fight in that situation. It is the most brutal time to be a Sharks fan because it's it's not just like what happens on the ice. It, it's what happens everywhere. Everyone is loving this, being able to dunk on the Sharks as hard as they are people saying relegate them people saying strip their first like make an example of this team that is actively embarrassing the NHL and uh in the moment it's it's pretty hard to disagree it's what the fuck are we doing and you share your thoughts because I, I have plenty more to say but please please go so the Canucks game I was able to keep an eye on it during a stream. The Penguins game happened on Saturday. <laughs> so I, uh, or Friday, Friday or Saturday. I forget. Um, basically, I wasn't able to catch it. Busy, obviously. And when I saw the scoreline, I'm like, is that like a meme from before the game to be like, LOL, wouldn't that be funny if it happened again? And uh, then I found out it wasn't a meme. And the Sharks became the first team to allow 10 goals in back-to-back games since the Boston (laughs) Bruins in December of 1965. Back when goalies didn't know how to use the butterfly because the butterfly wasn't even a concept. Um, They are so much worse than anybody could have imagined. We expected them to be bad. They could be historically bad. Mm-hmm. I I don't even know what to say at this point, you know? What can you say? You're supposed to get pissed. You're supposed to respond after being blown out in your old building, and you respond by getting blown out in your old building again? Mm. And... Fucking fire Quinn into the sun. Um, I I don't understand his coaching logic whatsoever. He's finally... I was going to go rail on him even harder uh, today. I, I've mentioned numerous times. After the first one, I said, you know, it's pretty negligent to let Quinn keep his job after that, right? Mm. Okay, they let him keep his job. You get blown out a bit. Okay, retweet. It's negligent to let Quinn keep his job, right? Like, yeah, we're tanking. Yes, we're rebuilding. But where's the pride? Where's the effort? Where's the quote-unquote competitive grit? That That's Greer's thing. All right, we know we're not going to be too good. We're going to bring in guys with competitive grit. Really? Mm-hmm. You get blown out twice. Fucking, I, 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 yeah, I've been giving shit to the Leafs for being soft and, and, and shit like that. Like, what about, what about the Sharks? You guys, you guys are still fucking winless. You're you're you've at no point in this season have you played like it's zero zero. Even when it is zero zero. At no point. Maybe in the first couple games when you didn't know what was going on. But the second that 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 a a couple goals get scored against the, the Sharks day, they fold. They yeah. they they completely stop playing as a team. Individuals go out there and they try to make a difference. It's like it's it's a fucking Eshel dropping. Um <laughs> The second shit starts going wrong, everyone starts just playing by themselves. The fact is, 
in 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 more games than than not, a twenty one year old is your best player. A seventh overall pick from a few years ago, a 20, 21 year old has been your best player. Mm. And finally, he's been giving a chance to play with Tomas Hurdle. He's been stapled to the hip to Luke Kunin, Kunin all season. He's finally getting a shot. Thank God. I don't know why it took this to finally get your probably best offensive threat next to Hurdle to play with Hurdle. But uh, it. And, and at this point, I'm like, I'm worried. I'm worried for Eklund. He's 21 years old. He's on the uh, historically shit team. Hmm. How does he keep his confidence up? How does he keep developing? He should have minimum of five extra assists. No one can finish his passes. Hmm. They can't even receive them half the time. Luke Cunning. I'm surprised when he makes connect when he when he connects with a fucking Eklund pass. I'm like, holy shit, he got a shot off. He got saved. He shot at the crest, but he didn't fucking miss. And yet, that poor kid. I, I feel so bad for him. And now you have the whole Philip Zinina situation. He started off so good. Two goals. I was like, fuck yeah, let's go, man. And now he's being scratched. Number one, lol scratching him over Mike Hoffman. You fucking kidding me, Quinn? Mike Hoffman has been useless. Useless. And you're doing the Rangers thing. You're scratching a, a guy because he's young instead of a veteran who should fucking know better. Tank Commander Hoffman. Go. You were gonna you were gonna say something. Philip Zadina agreed to terminate his contract with the Red Wings and forfeit four point five six million dollars in salary. He has two points in 11 games and currently, I believe, still holds the league's worst plus minus rating with a minus 14. Um, you know, bet, betting on yourself can go poorly sometimes. And unfortunately for him, he's ended up in a far worse situation than I think he ever could have imagined. Yeah. No help. He's, you know, he's, he started started on the second line. He scores two goals and then inexplicably gets, gets moved to the third, even the fourth on a couple occasions. I fucking hate David Quinn. The man has is what I don't understand why so many coaches seem to hold these rookies to higher standards than veterans. I'll teach you a lesson. I'll move you down to the third or fourth line. Fuck your development. Mm. And again, I don't know why Greer is standing by, but I know we don't have this. It it just came out before we even started Greer now taking uh taking the bullets he he was the one instead of david quinn today to get in front of a camera and talk about it and he's basically you know has said we're you know the whole same a lot of things same you know sorry to the fans and we we expected to to be better than this we expected to work harder it's not okay that we're not and when asked the questions like yeah you know if if this team after this like doesn't respond um then i'll have to make some fucking changes i i don't it should have happened after this last one, but fine. He's finally saying it. <laughs> you got blown out twice in a row. You should respond after the first one. You can't get blown out twice in a row on home ice. The fans had to sit through that. We were nearly outnumbered against the Penguins, too. <sighs> I, 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 the problem is... <laughs> 
the idea of oh blown out twice in a row it, the term blowout isn't even applicable at this stage embarrassed <laughs> i mean it's just crazy it looked at as a stat padding night yeah like they are now officially in meme territory mm-hmm. where it's they are being viewed as and other teams are clowning by saying like, oh, God, we don't want to be the ones to lose to them. Mm-hmm. The only solace Sharks fans are finding is like, hey, well, technically our tandem has a better save percentage than the Oilers tandem. Like, that's it. That's, that's, that's hilarious. How does that like even after right. those two goal- games? I believe so. Let me get the fully oh. updated numbers just to wow, that's be 100% impressive. sure. But that was absolutely a thing earlier in the week. You have the Sharks. Mackenzie Blackwood, 879 save percentage. Oh, my God. It felt so much. With a 478 goals against average. <sighs> poor, 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 poor uh, Corona, by the way. He had to get put in into that second game. That's mm-hmm. his NHL debut. Max mm-hmm. Corona gets put in against the fucking Penguins because <sighs> you don't know what the numbers are. <laughs> no, my God. It's got to be 750. And eight goals against, right? Eight goals against with a 765. God, I'm so good. <laughs> uh, Kapo Kakadin, a 4.30 goals against average with an 876 save percentage. So again, an 876 and an 879 were the two primary goalies on the Sharks. Remember when Blackwood had a 907? That was nice. The Oilers, Jack Campbell with an 873. Stuart Skinner with an 861. Jesus. Those are the only type of stats right now that can make Sharks fans feel halfway decent just because of how bad this is. I don't People- though, because they're, 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 they're going to get the first overall. Mm. It's the Oilers. <laughs> oh. It's, it's going to be them or Chicago or the Flames, man. We're not, we're not getting Celebrini. Not after that display. Hmm. I it's just one of those things where it's like, what the hell do you even say at this point in regards to the Sharks? And I I don't know the answer aside from just, again, it is so much worse than I think anybody imagined it would be. Those hope spots of, well, maybe Philip Zanina will look okay. Younger guys like Eklund and Bordalo, and now, you know, Bordalo has been sent back down and. You know, there's just there's a bad team being bad, and then there's a there's a bad team underperforming because they are they they shouldn't be this no. bad. No, like and they are just a business. They're horrible. I I I I, and, and it's not just that the roster construction's bad. It's that, like I said, they, there's zero going for them right now. Mm. And they're, and, and they're not, they're doing nothing to get themselves out of it. It feels like, Oh, we had a good practice and shit. And then you come out and lay another egg. Like we had a positive practice. We had this. So I get it. It's a mental fucking battle, but like, I don't know, man, if I feel like if I'm in that situation, like I can't, and 
in the Vancouver game, there was a fight. But it was someone responding to Kunin doing bullshit. He cross-checked Digicepi, and Digicepi's like, nope. And then, like, I'm pretty sure Kunin turtled. So fucking lol to that, too. Mm. And why is Kunin the fighter? <laughs> I, you know, I thought he has for more sure, fights was... than anyone on the Sharks. He has two. Thought... Kyle Burroughs fought once, and he did good. Dude, Giovanni Smith doesn't... Like, Giovanni Smith fights He should. He hasn't yet. Mm. And look, I've missed something, but I don't think I have. He's tried to on a couple occasions, but you're already down 6-0. No one's going to fight 6-1, whatever the fuck it was. I don't care. <laughs> <sighs> it's like there's no there's no pride. And I, and I felt that at times in the past when this sort of thing started, when the Sharks were like, fuck yeah, we got Carlson. We're stacking this shit. And then they weren't getting the results. And you sort of saw some of that culture coming in. Carlson getting lit up. Kane doing nothing about it. And now, multiple times where your goalie has been run and there's zero response. And you already talked about it once. I I just, I don't know what to add at this stage, right? It's like what the problem is, right? Like every team you have that, the fan base has the thought of like, okay, at least give us something to think about if we're going to be bad. Yeah, there's nothing. Like, and what do you sell them? Well, Almost, yeah, exactly. Like almost every direction for the Sharks, where it's like, well, this could at least be decent. So far, it hasn't been. Seventy-five dollars, uh, please. Top row, upper bowl, minimum price seventy-five dollars. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you selling? It's not hope for the future. We're scratching young guys and sending them down. You're selling third line left wing Jacob McDonald. Hey, he had a couple shifts on the first line against the Penguins. Uh, and the fucked up party looked good. <laughs> Cat friendly right now has their lineup penciled in for tonight as Eklund, Hurdle, Zetterland. Finally, may, they might be able to get something going. Thank God. Duclair, Granlund, and Hoffman, who have a combined four points on the season. That's insane. Granlund's missed time with injury, but it's fucking yes. nuts to me that Hoffman hasn't scored. Third line, McDonald, Nico Sturm, and Kevin LeBanc. And a fourth line of Giovanni Smith, Ryan Carpenter, and Luke Cunningham <laughs> making two and three quarters of a million dollars. The, the, the lines make sense. Just because McDonald has been playing as this huge physical dude, which is crazy. Like, he's been one of the most physical people, and he had to change positions. Nico Sturm is fantastic. Um, I feel so bad for that guy. He's a fantastic fucking player. Incredible two-way player. Um, And then you got LeBanc, who's supposed to be the offensive player. Nico can probably have a bit of that. That line makes sense. Um, mm. Like, from a, a logistic standpoint and what you're trying to get on that line, they all kind of make sense, but there's zero production happening. And that's that's the hard part. I'm hoping, God, man, I, I need some production from Hurdle and Eklund because I don't want Quinn to blow that up after one game because he will. He, he 100% will if, if if they don't score. He's going to do it. And as much as he said he doesn't worry about his job security, you fucking have to at this point. It's 11-game losing streak. Yeah, you'd like to think he would be at least a little bit worried about it yeah. <laughs> at this stage. Like, how could you not be worried about it at this stage just based off of how bad it's been? Like, there's only so much you can give. only so much leeway. You can give a coach even when it's like, OK, we're going to be a bad team before it's like, OK, we, we're too bad at this stage. Like we shouldn't be this bad. This team 
is better than what we are seeing. And they should be. They mm-hmm. absolutely should be, but they are not. So, yeah, f- I, I wouldn't help but think like coaching is a massive part of the problem here. The first domino that fell was that game against the Avalanche. Blackwood made 50 fucking saves, <laughs> and we could only give him one goal in support. Avs went mm-hmm. in overtime. That was the first domino. And after that, it just kept snowballing and spiraling out of control. <sighs> it's going to be a long, long yeah. season. I'm still watching every fucking game. I committed to it. I don't I don't fuck around. I hate it. We, but it we, can't get any worse, right? They can't do it three times in a row. I, I need <laughs> I need uh, SFRs. I need Sharks fan reaction videos. I need recaps of these games on an individual basis. This could be your time. This could be your time. That 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 could be the thing is you become uh, the the Sharks uh, Steve Dangle at this stage. It, it could be your time because those types of uh, of channels are molded by the harsh times like this. Uh, so this could be your time, sir. Yeah. Uh, God. I've, I've always thought about that. I've done I've done things in the past with that. I used to react yeah. to Sharks videos on my channel. Um, yep. Sharks games, mostly in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I stopped for a while because. It's tough. It, it's tough because especially when, when I was much smaller at the time too. Uh, the majority of people coming in were like, it was, I mean, fuck me. The two of my biggest ones were when they lost to the Oilers and when they lost to Vegas. Mm. Those two different years. And new vegas fan base and they were fucking fucking me up in the comments oilers oilers run deep any canadian team run fucking deep they were fucking me up in the comments like ah you're full of shit it was a fluke that they won 7-2 that one game nah the oilers are just that good guess what no they're not motherfuckers (laughs) but uh yeah they're so not good that we didn't even bother to talk about how shit they are because we've spent yeah. a lot of time this season talking about how shit yeah. they are. Already. So I don't know. May, maybe I maybe I do it. I don't know. I, I don't I feel like it, I don't even know if there's enough. There, there's all, I already feel like it's kind of saturated. Not the reaction so much, but there are quite a few like sharks dedicated podcasts and other stuff mm. like that. I feel like I get lost in it, but may, maybe, maybe, Who's maybe just... I try it again. I, I was gonna make a a, a video. Uh, absolutely trashing on them after these two games, but I was like, at this point, I got to save it for the pod, or else I'll be all out of juice. And I'm, I was still. I'm sure people were expecting me to go a little bit crazier, but I, I was very uh, cognizant of Tugi's eardrums. <laughs> Appreciate that. I am still, <laughs> uh, despite the fact that I don't drink, I still feel hungover <laughs> yeah. at the stage. Yeah, um, replenish those fluids, my boy. Oh my god, dude, I have been I have been chugging water and just doing my best to stay awake, and then just yeah, I, I hit the wall. Um, that said, it was nice to kind of have this, you know, bulkier show here because it is going to be our only show of the week at this stage. Again, I'm going to be taking some time away the back half of this week, so we will be back. Uh, next Monday, November the 13th, to try and cover the biggest stories of the upcoming week. And that scares me um, because, again, we went four or five days between shows and this much happens. 
And it just seems to be the lay of the land in the hockey world right now is just yeah. things changing at a breakneck pace, really. So um, we will see what, what comes up uh, in between now and then. Um, for now, of course, even though he wasn't able to join us, make sure to follow Endo at Endurance M. The links are in the description, whether or not you're watching this on the YouTube side of things or uh, listening on your audio platform of choice, of course. And hey, if you're on the audio side of things, rate the podcast. Help your boys out a bit. And if you're watching on the YouTube side of things, subscribe, like the video. What's the matter with you? Sin, anything else you wanted to add today, or is it just more beautiful self-promotion? Yeah, man. Just check out check out the series. Had a fucking hilarious Oilers video today. You guys will love it, simply because... So just fucking go watch my shit. All right. Sin for the Wind Productions on YouTube. Sin FTW Productions. That and BA Pro still going, man. I'm an 84 overall scoring at a Gretzky pace. <laughs> As one does. Yeah. <laughs> um, with that, I will have videos up throughout the week in terms of streaming. Uh, it, it's not looking too good. Um, so I will not likely see people until this time next week, if not the, uh, uh, you know, later in the weekend, time will tell. It's going to take me a bit to kind of get back into the, the groove of things afterwards. And then we got the rush heading into the, uh, the holiday season and stuff like that. We got a charity stream coming up in about a month, um, which you guys will get more information on that as we get closer to it. But yeah, with that. This was a good one. This was a fun one. We hope that you enjoyed. We will see you all next week. Until then, as we always say, Sin, at the end of the show. The hell do we say? We'll see you next week. Oh. <laughs>